Hi everyone, my name is PK and here I have Mike Mortlock who is the owner and founder of MCG Quantity Surveys and this is all about how you can save money in tax if you are a property owner right now or you're going to become a property investor, I should say investor not property owner. Um, so we're going to go through, you know, what is depreciation, you know, how do we actually figure out how much tax we can save and like the honest truth is most people don't know this, most people don't capitalize on it enough we're going to talk about commercial versus residential all this good stuff so if you want to save maybe a thousand two thousand three thousand four thousand five thousand dollars in tax every single year no promises but let's go with that <laughs> then carry on welcome to the oz property investment mastery podcast my name is pk and i help busy people build passive income by buying top five percent growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights, or dropping ten to twenty thousand dollars on buyers agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence, and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Mike, thank you so much for making time. I'm super grateful. Pleasure. Now we've got to deliver five grand back in people's pockets or we're going to get cancelled. <laughs> well, let, let's try our best. Maybe just, you know, we'll get to the, the nuts and bolts, but just um, for everyone's benefit, like what what's your background? Like what makes you so passionate about depreciation so much so that you've created a whole empire around it? <laughs> It's kind of like, you know, the the burden of, of, of explanation is on me, right? It's like if you don't drink alcohol, people will say, oh, why don't you do that? Or if you don't eat meat, why don't you do that? It's like, why are you a quantity surveyor? Like of all the jobs, it's a pretty weird thing to do. <laughs> um, I like to sort of explain to people, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Um, so, you know, I had normal aspirations um, and then, yeah, ended up being a quantity surveyor. So it is a little bit weird, but I guess I always loved property. Uh, I had a, a short 10-month career in real estate and realized as an introvert, that doesn't kind of really work as a job. I really like the property side of things. I ended up studying valuation before I moved over into, into quantity surveying. And I guess I just I just love the numbers, the analysis side of it. Um, and I've been doing it for, you know, a, I guess two decades now. Um, and yeah, I'm really passionate about it, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, you're probably making lots of friends as clients as well, because, you know, when you save people tax, it's kind of like your business has an incredible return on investment. We'll get into that. But like you spend 500 bucks on a depreciation report and you save three, four, five thousand dollars a year. Like, you know, you're, you're pretty grateful to the person that's given you the report. So um, so that that's good. Let, let's get into it. Like what is um, I know there'll be a lot of people who already know what depreciation is, but to start from the start, like what is depreciation and why is it important? Yeah, look, essentially, I, I like to think of it as an allowance for the wear and tear of your income producing asset. Because when you're a property investor, you're kind of running a business. So the, the business is you're renting out a property. And like all businesses, you can claim expenses that are part of that business. And an expense of renting out a property is that property is going to wear out. You know, the tenant is using the structure, they're using the plant and equipment items inside. So that's where the government gives you an allowance 
for that decline in value. So we estimate the construction costs and all the values of the fitting and fittings now, uh, fixes and fittings, depending on where they qualify. And that just gives you a tax deduction. So it's a bit like a student buying textbooks, you know, it just comes off your taxable income. And I think it's important because it just helps with the after tax cash flow of that property investment. So after tax depreciation can turn a negatively geared property into a positively geared property. And I think cash flow is one of the the hardest things for investors, but especially when they're starting out in their journey. You know, most people still only buy one property, and I think that's because they underestimate the expenses, and they also often are getting that first investment property wrong as well. But depreciation is just that bonus to help you to hold on to that property and minimize your tax. Yeah, and especially like in in these days with interest rates rising, right? Like your positively geared property now may have become negatively geared because rates have risen one to almost three percent in you know maybe in the future. So it's incredibly important to understand what depreciation is as a non cash expense. It adds more loss to your property, but it's a non cash loss, and you get depending on your marginal tax rate, you get that back. Now, if I'm like a super skeptic, right? Like, why can't I estimate the depreciation myself? Like, why do I need to spend, I don't know, like $500 to a quantity surveyor? Why can't I just go around the house? Or why can't I work my, with my accountant and say, look, there's probably, I don't know, five, $6,000 of depreciation on, on this property? Yeah, I guess it answers the question when you say there's probably, right? The ATO doesn't like to work in probably's, right? They, they like to work in facts. Um, you know, did you probably earn $100,000 at your job or did you earn a million dollars at your job? It's a very different proposition for the ATO. And the, the reason why accountants can't do it is, is they're experts in all of the tax legislation. And us as quantity surveyors, we have to be registered tax agents because we're providing you know, a very specific uh, amount of accounting advice. But the reason why quantity surveyors is we generally will have a Bachelor of Construction Management and we're construction cost estimating experts. So there's really nobody better to say how much something actually costs. So the ATO recognises us as people that are experts in finding out how much it costs to build something. And, and we do that, you know, through our analysis and our degree and the projects that we're working on that are coming out of the ground. So that's why the ATO says that you can't really go and estimate stuff yourselves. Accountants do do it sometimes, but they tend, well, they shouldn't be doing it firstly. And, and if they are doing it, they tend to be very conservative because if they were ever get to get audited, the ATO would look at it and go, oh, look, that's way below our benchmarks. We're not even going to touch it. But for a quantity surveyor, we're not conservative. Our idea is to find out, well, what is the most that it could reasonably cost that we can justify? Because we're working for the client and not the tax office. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you're experts in the field, which is um, which is important when you're dealing with the ATO. You don't want to mess around with them. All right. And and so the next question, I guess, is feels like an interrogation, but the next question oh, I have <laughs> is like, um, you know, like there's all these companies, property companies that say you should buy brand new property because mm. there's huge depreciation. Like, and that and that's a fact, right? Like a brand yes. new property will have more depreciation than an older property. But do old properties in fact have depreciation on them? How old is too old? And you know, I'm asking the question from a perspective as well that, you know, everyone knows 
I like to buy properties with high land to asset ratio, which means that they're not brand new. Brand new, generally speaking, generally perform you know in an inferior basis to established large blocks of land property from a capital growth perspective. So should people be tripping about like, ah, oh, why should I buy a 15, 20, 30, maybe 40-year-old property? Oh, there'll be no depreciation. What's the cutoff there? Mm. That's a great question or a great possibly six questions that I'll try and get through <laughs> all at once, right? Um, so the reason why people that are, uh, let me say, selling or flogging off the plan apartments as an example and using depreciation as a as kind of a selling point is because, you know, that is probably the main bonus of buying a brand new uh, apartment, for example. And there's a lot of negatives to buying that. Um, recently, I did a, a video, um, I think it went up on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, basically saying, um, what sort of property should you buy for maximum deductions? And I go on to explain probably the worst investment property you could ever think of. You know, a unit in a high-rise complex of 500, you know, it's got two gyms, three pools, foyers, furnished, you know, eight levels of basement. And Tennis courts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that's fantastic for deductions, but history has kind of proven that that is going to underperform the types of properties that you were explaining. So I sort of, I like to, to, to shock people with that by basically sort of demonstrating to them that depreciation is a bonus. It's never a strategy. Now, new properties generally will provide better deductions than older properties, but I've even heard some quantity surveyors say fact, like new is always better. But think about this as a case study. Think about a brand new, say, project home with a $400,000 construction cost, or you think about something in a blue chip area, some uh, some property, uh, let's say in, in Sydney, it might be in Paddington, or um, it could be um, somewhere in Brighton in in Victoria that was built in say 1910 but has had a three million dollar renovation and it's all schmick right that property is going to provide way better deductions than a brand new property so it's not always the case that new is better but yeah typically um, if you if you consider properties that I've invested in I don't own any brand new properties I don't own any properties in high rise developments and I've even bought a property that's about eighteen months prior to the cutoff date for depreciation claims on the original building structure. Now, that that could be costing me $1,000 out of my pocket each year if I'd gone that little bit extra, but I wasn't looking for the best deductions. I was looking for the best capital growth with the yield that I was comfortable with. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And so it's 1987, right? The, the cutoff? Yeah. yeah, the 16th of September, 1987. So it needs to have commenced construction after that date. But it's important to understand that if it's built prior to that and it's had renovations or improvements or extensions or anything like that, you'll be able to claim the structural portion of those improvements. And I've been in inspections with clients before and looked around and said, oh, this property was extended. And they they sort of say, oh, really? Like, how do you know that? And we go and we have a look under the house and you see some steps going up to the middle of the house. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Why is it doing that? Like, well, that used to be the back door, right? So this whole section is is new and the original structure doesn't qualify, but this part does. And that particular example, I think we were talking, you know, $120,000, $150,000 worth of an extension. So, you know, that could be two and a half plus worth of deductions each year on, on those improvements. Yeah, that, that really adds up, you know, like over the long term. So what I'm hearing is that even if it's an older property, 
still investigate the potential of depreciation benefits um, on the property. I guess like a lot of people ask me, um, including clients, they ask, oh, hey, PK, is there like an easy way without having to fork out money? Is there an easy way to estimate like, should I get a depreciation report? Is there going to be anything um, in this property? Like, you know, when people are budgeting, they're like, okay, should I buy this property, this property, this property in their cash flow calculator? Hopefully they have a cash flow calculator. You know, they should be plugging in like a depreciation amount. How do they estimate that without sort of, you know, getting an actual quantity surveyor out to the property every time? Yeah, look, there are there are online tax depreciation calculators. We held off creating one for the longest time because we've always done it bespoke with actual people, but we couldn't sort of ignore the huge demand for that. Lean on us free of charge to give you an estimate. And I don't really know any quantity surveyor that's going to charge you for a feasibility sort of estimate to say, this particular one, there's not much in it. Or this particular one, you're probably looking at three to five in the first year. So I would encourage you to reach out to a quantity surveyor and develop a, a relationship with a quantity surveyor. And the good ones should be willing to help you. Um, and it is a, it's a difficult thing to understand. But I, to answer that question in a way that hopefully will um, benefit people if they're just afraid of reaching out. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, people are super guy. shy, right? They're like, yeah, they're I'm not picking the phone. <laughs> I, I get it too. And I mean, that's part of the reason why I think people like listening to podcasts, right? I, I'll interview, say, a buyer's agent. They want to know, you know, what's their methodology? You know, where do they invest? But they don't want to be on their mailing list, right? <laughs> so I came up with three triggers that tell you that you likely would benefit from a depreciation schedule. And I think that's the simplest way that you can get your head around it. The first one's easy. You buy a brand new property. You know, uh, we can explain why that's better, but I think most people know. The second one is built after 1987. As we just mentioned, that's the cutoff date for the original building structure. The third one is it doesn't match one or two. It's not brand new. It's not built after 87, but it's had improvements. So the previous owner has renovated the property or even you've renovated the property. And the magic figure is about 40 or 50 grand worth of works. Because if the previous owner did say $40,000 worth of structural works, then that's $1,000 a year worth of deductions. Now, that's not, of course, what goes back in your pocket. It's the marginal rate, but it's probably the break-even point for a schedule being worthwhile, right? So that's probably the best simple advice I could say to someone to to get a sense of whether there's been an improvement, uh, whether there's value in a a schedule. Yeah, totally, totally. And like these days, um, Mike, there's, I don't know if you're feeling it as well, but I feel that there's an increased interest in commercial property. Like, is there any differences in, in how depreciation works with commercial, let's say with that 1987 rule or anything else uh, versus residential? Yeah, absolutely there is. And uh, you're right about commercial. You know, the, the metrics have changed quite a bit. And and I, I've worked with um, a commercial fund that um, the individual sort of owners elected to sell their portfolio just because, you know, they've, they've done well out of it and they can't see any returns in, in similar things. Um, it's completely different. So take, for example, that 1987 cutoff date, that's a residential date only and and commercial has different cutoff dates for the original building structure depending on what it is so there's a difference between say an office and traveler accommodation there's different rates of depreciation whether it's say a manufacturing premises or whether it's a retail premises so 
Normally, the cutoff date is 1982, but you can have 1979 cutoff dates as well. But the most important difference is the plant and equipment item. So the ATO brings out their tax ruling each um, normally July. So it'll be something like TR 2022-1. This is the sort of stuff that us quantity surveyors nerd out <laughs> on, right? There's about 281 pages and only about four and a half of them are residential plant and equipment items. The rest is commercial. So depending on the industry that it's in, there's a huge amount of commercial plant and equipment items, you know, all the way down to little dentistry uh, drills and, you know, even in in vitro sterilization units in agriculture. So it's crazy how much there is. But I think the most critical difference for investors is that the the change that happened in 2017 that says you can't claim plant and equipment unless you buy a brand new property or you install brand new assets that doesn't apply to commercial so since 2017 commercial has disproportionately provided better returns um, than residential has in the established market right right really fascinating i mean that i feel that there's so much more nuance when it comes to the the tax legislation for depreciation around commercial yet yeah, it's like i'm i'm definitely not an expert at it i would i would just recommend people reach out to a quantity surveyor you know even more so than for residential but definitely for both the last question what's i mean there's there's so many quantity surveyors i'm sure people have you know, heard of others and stuff like that. Is there any difference between the different quantity surveys? I mean, like a tax agent or an accountant, you know, essentially they do the same thing, but the advice that they provide around structuring, et cetera, that's where one, you know, an accountant can be a bit more better than another accountant. Is is that like a thing for quantity surveyors or are you guys all looking at the same spreadsheet and like, okay, this is the property, chuck in the numbers, here's the output? Yeah, it's a it's a really really good question and you know from my perspective there's a huge difference but I've got to appreciate that from a computer a consumer's point of view they might say okay well you've all got the same legislation to work within and and you know construction costs should be what they are right but I think there's a huge difference we're not the cheapest quantity surveyor out there we're not the most expensive but we're you know we're significantly more expensive than some of them one of the big kind of turf wars that we're having at the moment is whether a property should be inspected or not the Australian Institute of Quantity Surveyors has uh, about to release a depreciation white paper that um, many of us in the industry have have been part of formulating and that's basically saying that if you're not uh, having an inspection completed, then there really needs to be a disclaimer in the report to explain to the client why that hasn't happened. That's probably the first one. Any quantity surveyor that's op- offering a, a depreciation schedule without an inspection on an established property, a brand new property with plans and inclusions can be okay. But even then, sometimes it might say stainless steel appliances, and there can be a huge variance between the cost for those or carpet to living areas. Well, okay, well, is the hallway considered a living area. These things make a difference. That's probably the biggest one. And then I think it it comes down to the um, expertise of the people that are doing the job as well and the care factor as well. I mean, I can remember back in the day, um, pre the plant and equipment changes, we'll go um, to do an inspection. The client's already given us information. They made a few improvements. They didn't mention a hot water system, but we see a brand new one in there and we see an old one on the ground. So we get back in touch with them and say, I can see this old one on the ground. It had a 
its manufactured sticker on there on this particular date. So can you let us know the details of the first one? And what we'll do is we'll complementarily grab that old one and apply a scrapping value for that. So these are kind of little things that you can sort of go, all right, like the client doesn't really know that that's going to be missed, but like we care about providing the best possible result, right? Like it's just one little example where, you know, just having a, a happy workforce can actually be, uh, impact the results that the the client is going to get. I think that the the greatest kind of advantage that I think that we have over some competitors, and I don't want to launch into a sales pitch, but we have an estimating department that works on construction projects as they're coming out of the ground, right? And some quantity surveyors don't have access to that. And the benefit is that we are looking at real-world construction costs today. And the pace of change in construction prices has been crazy with the pandemic. We, you know, we've seen certain things like timber frames going up 75%. So without access to that information, you're relying on, you know, um, databases or cost tables that are in the past. So that's probably a couple of little examples of, of why it's different. And, and yes, we have to work within the same rules, but with a creative mindset, you can look at, okay, well, what are the goals of the investor? You know, Are they planning on moving into the property or uh, have they already lived in it and they're moving out? You know, What improvements are they looking at? If they're doing a renovation, you know, carpet's going to depreciate it to, to uh, 25%, yeah. whereas tiles will be 2.5%. So we can speak to them and give them advice on, on stuff that they can do to maximize those deductions yeah no no totally like there's a saying right um what is that like watch your pennies and your pounds will take care of themselves or something like that and like that's kind of what i think of when you say all that you know just small differences small changes in how a quantity surveyor works you know instead of being able to get two thousand a year in depreciation if you can get two and a half thousand like you know, on a marginal tax rate of let's just say 45%, like that's not, you know, thousands of dollars, but over 10 years, that is actually thousands of dollars. So like, you know, it all it all adds up. And and I think everyone, you know, even if you don't want to use MCG quantity surveys, I think you should, you know, anyone who's watching or listening, you sort of ought to do yourself a favor and ex- at least explore um, quantity surveying, not as a profession, but to get a depreciation <laughs> report um, and, and check out Mike Mortlock's podcast. You're an experienced property investor, Mike. Uh, last one, just for the audience, a, a sort of um, a sweetener on top. What's one piece of advice that you can give to people based on your own experience in anything property investing? Look, I, I think I, I always come back to if our podcast has a bit of a mi- mission, and I'm pleased to announce you'll be on the show very soon. It's it's to change that percentage. You know, it was 72 percent of people. Now it's 68 percent of people only own one investment property, and I think it's because they get that wrong by getting excited by depreciation deductions or the fancy brochure on this brand new apartment or listening to Uncle Barry at a barbecue. You know, you you need to educate yourself because this is a big financial decision. And just looking at, you know, things like, oh, you know, I'm paying a lot of tax, so I'm going to get this particular property so that I can lose money and claim a deduction based on that. These are crazy short-term, you know, avoiding the stick uh, style things. So I think people really need to educate themselves and take this very seriously because 
this can really launch you into the future that you want to have. Think about why you're investing in property rather than getting caught up in the hotspots of, you know, Ballarat's about to boom or Logan is giving, you know, 12% yields at the moment. You've got to think about what you're trying to do and take it seriously because that might mean you retire early or you spend more time with your family or whatever's important to you. But, you know, you want to get it right. Yeah, no, for sure. Well said. And uh, and I love that you're all about education as well. For anyone who's watching or listening, um, check out Mike's podcast as well. Geared for growth, right? Geared for growth is is what it's called. But thank you so much for making time. Uh, Mike, super appreciate it. Very grateful. Pleasure. Thanks, PK.